Good, e good evening and welcome everyone. Uh, thank you for joining us this evening. And um, tonight's going to be something a little special, we hope. We hope we can um, add our, uh, our guest. Uh, Wolfgang, are you there? Wolfgang, can you hear us? Okay, so we're probably going to have to work out some uh, technical difficulties um, here, but uh, we didn't have a chance uh, ahead of time to uh, to uh, work out the technical difficulties. But we had hoped to uh, have uh, our uh, our uh, good friend and uh, partner in the Peapod Life uh, venture, uh, Wolfgang Amelung, uh, join us and. According to StreamYards, he is in the chat, but uh, I don't think um, I don't think his mic is working. So um, we mentioned this in our post that we might have some um, technical difficulties getting our uh, guest to sit in. So he might just he might just have to uh, just listen for tonight, and maybe we'll uh, we'll work out these technical difficulties uh, in the in the near future. Um, the topic that we wanted to uh, discuss this evening, and we're going to give some time for uh, individuals to uh, to join our um, our um, to join the stream here. Um, there is an awful lot that we face each and every day, and as we look into the media and we look out into the world, we see all sorts of issues crises you might even call them in fact uh just in the last 48 hours um we can we can point to uh a crisis uh that uh, the media has been blowing blowing up in um in afghanistan and that's the uh the supposed retakeover of afghanistan by the taliban and we we actually prepared a, a, a couple little clips on YouTube that we wanted to show you. And we'll get into those in a little bit. But as a general overview, I guess, um, we'll, we should carefully consider the words divide and conquer. That phrase has been used time and time and time again by so-called conspiracy theorists and they point out how the black lodge will play both sides of a of a situation of a set of circumstances and um by having them play both sides of those that circumstance they can they will win no matter no matter which side wins or which side loses the Black Lodge wins because their goal is to create conflict, is to create crises. That's their goal, is to create chaos. And when you divide a group, I mean, that's essentially the law of entropy. I mean, if you really want to get right down into the metaphysical, actually, metaphysical, yes, of course, because it's the metaphysical foundation of physical reality. But the law of entropy, the law of entropy plays out 
on the physical plane. So the foundation is energy. So the foundation to the law of entropy is metaphysical, but it plays out on the physical plane. That's where we see the effects of entropy. So we see ice cubes melting. We see mountains being eroded by rain and wind. We see the, the great pyramids or any uh, great civilization crumble over time. And we also see cultures, religions, empires, civilizations. They rise and they fall. It's the fall that we are becoming more and more acutely aware of as time passes. And it is because we are in the decline, in the fall of this humanity. We are in the Kali Yuga of this humanity, in the end times. They've already begun. And our purpose here tonight is not to prove that necessarily. You should already know that. You should already be able to feel that, to sense that, and to see that all around you. And if not, if you don't or if you can't, or more importantly, if you are being caught up in the crises themselves, as so many individuals are, masses upon masses of people, in fact, the vast majority of people on this planet are caught up in the crises. It's important to be able to feel into the crises, feel into the darkness that's behind this chaos and know what its, what its end goal, what its purpose is, divide and conquer, entropy, and recognize that entropy works for mechanical nature. Everything that is born out of the earth must return to the earth without exception. There's no exceptions. Recognize here and now, feel into yourself, feel into your own heart, feel into your body, feel yourself inside your body and recognize I am not this body. Well, if I am not this body, whose body is this? The answer is clear. It belongs to mechanical nature. It belongs to the planet. This body is the planet's body. It's an extension of the planet's body. Our physical body came from the earth. Yes, it came from our mother of course, our birth mother, but all of the nutrients and all of the material that went into forming and growing 
this physical body and all the material that sustains it. And indeed, that's the, on the energy that sustains it on a certain level belongs to mechanical nature and it must return to the earth. This body is on loan to us. We're, you've heard the expression living on borrowed time while we're literally living in borrowed flesh. And what's true for an individual in microcosm is true for a humanity in macrocosm, a global civilization. All the buildings, all the great wonders of the world, all the skyscrapers and all the technology and all that, you name it. It all came from the earth and it's all returning to the earth. And that process, there's only one way to get a skyscraper to return to the earth. And that's to pulverize it. We saw that all of us in one form or another, we saw that happening on September 11th, 2001. We saw the twin towers being pulverized and in a very real sense, being turned to dust, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, and being returned to the earth. We don't have to get into how that happened. We all saw that happen. Many people have made comments about, including ourselves, about how September 11th was a giant black magic ritual that the two towers represented the pillars of Jacqueline and Boaz, and they were pulverized before our eyes, and that this cast a spell over the entire planet, and surely uh, the planet was thrust into a decades-long um, fever of fear and anger, desire for vengeance, revenge, but also that fear, that desire for comfort and security. And in that fear, you saw Americans in the West giving up their civil liberties and, and allowing uh, uh, all sorts of draconian laws to be written onto the, onto the books. Um, That absolutely was the case. But even as that event served the Black Lodge in its purposes of creating chaos and facilitating the, the Kali Yuga, the returning of that which was borrowed from the earth to return to the earth, It also foreshadowed, as individuals, the process which must take place in each and every one of us. And as difficult as this may be to accept, what was erected in the place of the two towers was a single tower called the Freedom Tower. When one looks at the tree of life, one notices that 
while there are two pillars, um, while there are two pillars on the tree, there is a third pillar. Let's uh, see if we can bring this up and show you this here. All right. Oh, that was not what we wanted to do. Let's try this again. Okay, hide. It's a little small, but hopefully you can see we have Jacqueline and Boaz, the two pillars in the Tree of Life, but then we have the center pillar. And on the center pillar, we have not only the physical body, we have the etheric body, we have the human soul, the causal body, and we have that which is or gnosis, the hidden uh, sephir on the tree of life. And then we have Keter. This center pillar, even though we know Jacqueline and Boaz probably very well, we know that terminology um, fairly well. What we might not know, what we might not be that aware of, is the center pillar known as uh, the pillar of light. All of our work on the path relates to the center pillar. Whether we are working in the ninth sphere, which is the sphere of Yasad, or whether we are working in the ninth sphere in order that we may create our solar causal body in the sixth dimension and awaken in the sixth dimension, that's what's required to awaken. The consciousness is to awaken in the sixth dimension in Tipareth or through the course of all of our work and all of our experiences we are creating Gnosis that and ultimately the ultimate goal of self-realization death resurrection and ascension into the absolute that's beyond Keter all of our work relates to this center pillar And even though down here we have the physical body, ultimately the two pillars give way to the center pillar. It's a, it's a way of communicating to us that um, this physical body of ours, this temple, and the two pillars that uphold this temple, is impermanent and our work must be down this this center and yes we work with both masculine and feminine energies and yes we want to unite them and create them in balance and if you to unite the two pillars you get the center pillar and there's all sorts of ways that you can look at it and interpret this but death is the most powerful and potent way to understand the path and how to progress along the path and death comes with chaos death comes with destruction and even though all around us
chaos is being sown and it's being sown specifically on purpose. Our opportunity is in that middle path between the two sides of any argument, between the two sides of any struggle, between the two sides of any conflict, between the two sides of any chaos. So, for example, uh, this is just the most recent thing. Um, someone, if someone can let me know in the chat, if if the uh, sound is all right, then um, then that would be good. So let me let me play this little clip for you. It's only two minutes. The Taliban has opened fire on protesters in the city of Jalalabad. Those reports indicate at least three people have been killed and more than a dozen others have been injured. Witnesses say protesters took down the Taliban flag and replaced it with that of Afghanistan, leading to the altercation. Local reports state the Taliban has been replacing Afghan flags across the country, which has angered some local residents. However, this is the first report of protesters taking action. All right, you guys get the idea, <laughs> uh, and we can we can obviously state that this could just be a very elaborate staged photo opportunity, right? This could just be some I don't know who knows people they grouped together and had them marching through a busy street, and half the people know what's going on, half the people don't. But let's not get into all of that. Whether it's staged or not, the input the point here is there is a clear conflict that has been set up in Afghanistan. And it's taken 20 years to establish it. Not many people realize that the Taliban were created, essentially created by, by the United States. They used to be called the Mujahideen way back in the 70s and 80s when the Soviet Union was attempting to occupy or occupying Afghanistan. And the Mujahideen were the freedom fighters. And they were funded by the United States military. And they became the Taliban, and an offshoot of them became what was later called ISIS, and, well, you know the rest of the story. The United States went in after 9-11, they occupied Afghanistan, and now they've left and created a so-called power vacuum, and the Taliban has come back. Or, or, the Taliban returned precisely 20 years after they were told to step back so that the United States could go in and do what they needed to do in that country related to oil and natural gas and the poppy growth, but also the establishment of more liberal ideas, Western ideas, uh, um, uh, socialist 
uh, uh, ideas so that now they can step back and allow the Taliban to return. And now the, the Taliban can come and try to reassert their traditional conservative ideologies. And, and uh, this now creates an internal conflict, which is much more balanced than it used to be. And now you see women and men and you know waving flags and 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 protesting and this was this was unheard of under the Taliban's rule. They ruled with an iron fist. So but you see now how this conflict, this chaos, and the the chaos which will unfold out of this, and now this these two camps pitted against one another, give all the individuals in that country, the citizens of that country, something entirely superficial to focus on and preoccupy themselves with. The news has been preoccupied with Afghanistan 24-7 since this uh, this takeover uh, occurred, just as it was preoccupied with the so-called um, viral outbreak 24-7 for the past two years. Because the Black Lodge wants us to remain focused out there wants us to remain focused on the two towers, on this physical body, on our comfort and security, on our pleasure and our pain, on blaming others for our suffering, or pointing out how that person and that person or that regime or those people or that group is the cause of our suffering. And we are made in our consciousness to be dragged into these arguments and dragged into these conflicts. And the Black Lodge is constantly, constantly creating these conflicts. They're all around us and they're everywhere. And the internet is this incredible, uh, what's the word? Petri dish cesspool in which chaos and and uh, uh, suspicion and frustration and mental and emotional violence can breed and just multiply and multiply and multiply and fester and fester now the internet is in macrocosm. Our subconscious mind in microcosm. There's so much going on on the internet that we don't know about, including the so-called dark web and all this, all this activity that goes online, that goes on 
on the internet that we know nothing about or we know very, very, very little about. Or one would hope we don't actively seek out experiential knowledge of it. For example, all of the sexual degeneration and pedophilia and human trafficking, and it goes on and on and on and on and on. But the internet on the surface will reveal things that if we feel into it, we will get to the darkness inside and behind it all, pulling the strings. For example, this Afghanistan business. If you feel into it, you listen to these pundits now, whether it's on the internet or on what, some mainstream media outlet. It's all about what, how about the freedoms for women and the freedoms for these people and the freedoms for those people and how will the Taliban try to roll them back and so on and so forth. It's this conflict and, and, and you're being goaded into being pulled into that and saying, yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, Afghanistan did make a lot of progress in the last 20 years. And yeah, gee, you know, I am worried about the women there. And I am worried about their reproductive rights and freedoms. And I am worried about that. Yeah. And what if they do roll back in it? And, and you just get, you're, you get caught up in it. The reality is it's all going, it's all crumbling. No side, neither side of that equation, be it the Afghani government that was up until now supported by the U.S. and still being supported by the U.S. And so is the Taliban. Both sides have their supports. While the Taliban, people would argue, is being supported by China now. And it's possible that this is now, once again, a breeding ground for who knows, some other new geopolitical conflict that's coming around the bend around the corner who knows but the point is is the conflict is being emphasized here and people are picking sides for example there are people in iran who are picking sides on the siding on the side of the taliban and so on and so forth that's if you believe the stories that are being bantied about but there is a conflict there are two sides and people are being goaded into joining either camp. And this is happening all over the world. This story has been running 24-7 all over the world on the mainstream media, which means it's, for the Black Lodge, it's important. <clears throat> it's important. It's an important inflection point to create camps and division. It's an important, Afghanistan, for whatever reason, has been a kind of like focal point or, a, or a, 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 a hot spot for entropy, for this humanity, for what, for 40 years. Here's another example that we want to show you. This is perhaps a little bit different, but perhaps you can feel into it and spot what's going on here. We'll just read the headline and we'll only play like a minute of this video. Famed Twitch socialist Hassan Piker buys $3 million mansion in Hollywood to one-up OK Boomer Girl, which is a conservative uh, pundit. 
security. What is that supposed to mean? Money! What are you talking He's got a lot of money! Now I hate you, you well, slow bastard! You. If you leave here, I hate you! A few moments later. Hi. Hello. Nice to meet you. No, nice to meet you. You fucking simpleton peasants, you. Oh, yeah, dude. I can't believe. Oh, man. Rich leftists, dude. What the fuck? We really got to stop these rich leftists. The socialism grift is one of the most fascinating on the internet. Uh, quite frankly, when you have heroes like Bernie Sanders, who is a multimillionaire, owns three or four homes, you've got people like the OK Boomer Girl giving a $2 million tour of her apartment. And then you've got king of uh, the socialists, son of Cenk Uger, Uger, Cenk, Cenk, Cenk's nephew, not son, Hassan, uh, just bought a $3 million mansion in the Hollywood Hills. Now, I'll okay. Let's uh, let's not let's not give the devil too uh, his his too much of a due here. Hopefully, you get the sense of what's what's going on here. Uh, we were wrong. The, uh, the the boomer girl is is also a, a leftist, a socialist. Did you spot the the dark side that's 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 implied here by this fellow, uh, the, uh, um, uh, his name is Jeremy, who, uh, who runs the quartering here. The, the attempt here is to state how the leftist, the elite leftist elite is hypocritical because, I mean, they just bought another, you know, one bought a $1 million mansion and one bought a $3 million mansion to one, to one up the other one. So this is this. Petty, competitive, pride, greed, comfort, security, luxury, all the rest of it, right? But they preach socialism, they preach equity, and they preach equality, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's this is what this is what Jeremy at the quartering is attempting, is attempting to uh, demonstrate the hypocrisy of it all. And He has a point. However, the rest of the video, the whole point, the whole reason that he's pointing this out is because he's a conservative. So really what he's doing is he's saying, so conservatives and conservatives who are multimillionaires and li living in the lap of luxury and buying things and concerning themselves with that it's perfectly fine because look these socialists are doing it so why can't we they talk big talk they talk about how they're into equity and equality and all these things but then they go and they live in three million dollar mansions so they're all hypocrites we're not hypocrites we think it's fine for people to be wealthy and rich and ultra rich and we think that's great and we that's how we live It's very interesting how, in this particular example, the two sides, their behavior is the same.
their opposition is wholly intellectual. It's philosophical. It's liberals and conservatives. It's it, but we all know it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what who's in power in any government in the West. The country goes in more or less the same direction. Economy, growth, shareholder value, uh, military concerns, everything is the same. Everything remains the same. It's the Black Lodge is running both sides. It's still, it's still, it's fear, greed, lust, anger, pride, envy. But just especially if you live in the United States and if you've lived in the United States the past four years, look what you went through in terms of the political uh, discourse. Yes, divide and conquer. And people will say, well, it's the bankers, it's the global elite. It's like, no, 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 no. Look at yourself. Look into your own mind. Look into your own heart. Look into your own physical body. How often do you find yourself at conflict with yourself? Two competing ideas, two competing emotions, two competing thoughts. One moment you think, Wow, that was really good. I did, you know, I did something really good today. The next moment you're 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 beating yourself up over something. You feel or you you go from self-loathing in one moment to the next moment you're you're like, yes, but I can do anything and I love myself. And you go from self-loathing to too much self-love. How's that how's that possible? We've described this in the past. We've, in fact, our last live stream, we talked about this, how self-loathing and too much self-love, self-esteem, are two sides of the same coin. It's pride. And the pull between these two extremes is the dividing and the conquering of an individual who keeps gets trapped in either one of these extremes. Either loving themselves too much or hating themselves. But what's behind it both is pride. Pure and simple. The actual ego, the Black Lodge, is, is behind both extremes. As in microcosm, so in macrocosm. It cannot be any different. It is impossible for the macrocosm to be different than the microcosm. The world is how it is because that is what we are inside. That is what's going on in our own subconscious mind. That's what's going on in our lives. If we're honest with ourselves, if we observe ourselves, we will know that to be true. But we have to be honest with ourselves. At the same time, we have to be compassionate with ourselves, just as we have to be compassionate with people out in the world who are caught up in their crises and caught up in their conflicts and have been goaded into these conflicts and they've fallen for it, hook, line, and sinker. 
How have they fallen for it, hook, line, and sinker? If someone is being bounced around from either extreme in their own psyche, loving themselves too much or hating themselves, accumulating things or getting rid of things for the sake of getting rid of things, hoarding things for the sake of hoarding things or dumping things for the sake of dumping things. Uh, eating for the sake of eating or starving themselves or purging for the sake of purging. That's one of the physiological uh, aspects of the ego, of the Black Lodge, is that is that you can observe that you are most happy and contented in one of two states, either when you're full or when, you, when you're empty. Observe yourself. Certainly where food is concerned, you can see where we're going with this. And then sexually, that feeling after an orgasm of being drained, of being emptied, and the satisfaction that comes with that. But then some people are bulimic, and they purge. They eat and eat and eat, and they, they feel really full, but then they, they purge. And then they feel really empty, and then they feel satisfied when they're really empty, because then they're, they're not going to gain any weight, right? That's, again, being between these two extremes. But it's still this, the ego in the middle is what we have to identify and comprehend. The effects, we can see the effects, we can feel the effects. And that's good. But if we stay trapped on the level of the effects, if we stay, if we, if we, allow ourselves to be goaded into worrying about or dwelling too much on the results, we miss the cause. And this is where modern psychology falls down for the most part. Because they will focus on the, they, they focus too much on the superficiality. Like, like uh, modern psychology, unfortunately, has too much in common with allopathic healthcare. They focus too much on symptoms. They focus too much on effects. Uh, they, don't, they don't focus enough on the root cause. They try to, they, they, they claim to, but especially in modern psychology when it comes to pharmacology, they, um, they're very much in a, in a place where they're just treating symptoms. And if the person, if the, if they can get the person to stop purging, it's a success. Or if they can get the person to stop uh, binging, well, then it's then they're on the right track. Maybe. Maybe not. Modern psychology is the, is the same psychology that will say that self-loathing is terrible. And if we can turn self-loathing into self-esteem, self then it's then it's a success but we both but we all know 
self-esteem and self-loathing are two sides of the same coin, which is pride. Modern psychology doesn't, doesn't identify pride as a problem, not particularly. And out in the world, we have all of these individuals who are caught up in all of these crises and conflicts. And they're caught up on either side of them. And they're not able to identify the cause, what's getting them caught up in it. And what's getting caught them caught up in it is their own egos. That's what's allowing them, their own attachments, their own identifications, their own fear, their anxiety, their desire for comfort and security, their anger, their pride, their envy, their laziness. Uh, the, all of this is coming into play as they fall for these external conflicts and they get drawn out of themselves into these external conflicts and they forget the work they forget what all of this is about and most perhaps most importantly they they lose the ability to feel into and sense and know the truth of it for themselves And they get pulled more and more into their ego mind, into their ego emotions. And they get drawn further and further away from their source of gnosis, which is their innermost, their true self. And that intuition, that consciousness, which gives, which is our capacity to see, to know, the eyes to see and the ears to hear. One of the obvious aspects of these times is the chaos and the suffering that results. And of course, one might say that mechanical nature, although although it's severe, brutal even at times, it's not without the capacity for mercy. It's not without the capacity for compassion in a way. And by that we mean compassion can still find its way into and through mechanical nature. The little mercies, the little, the little um, um, bombs, if you will. Unfortunately, these too can be a trap. Well, what's a good example of this? We have all noticed, or that the uh, legalization of marijuana has proliferated now in the West. And many, many jurisdictions are moving forward on the legalization process. And as marijuana becomes legal, other uh, drugs and hallucinogens become more and more available. And in fact, uh, the pharma uh, pharmaceutical industry is now looking at uh, various different hallucinogens as a means of of treating 
various different uh, illnesses as um, um, uh, mental illnesses. And it's not limited to pharmacological phenomena. We can turn to the entertain entertainment industry as well, so-called entertainments. We now live completely saturated by content. These streaming services and YouTube and, and, and just content 24 hours a day, seven days a week, nonstop, we can consume and we consume content. It's, it's, it's a type of food. It's a food for our minds and it's a food for our emotions. Just as physical food is a food for our physical bodies. We, we allow ourselves to be completely surrounded by uh, man-made impressions. Impressions which are just content. Impressions that have zero nutritional value. Zero. But they fill us up. They keep us feeling full. In the same way that you can go to McDonald's and stuff yourself and feel full and get that ah, feeling full satisfaction feeling, but you can't get any nutrition. You can binge watch on Netflix, but you can't get any universal truth. Not from those shows. Doesn't matter how stylish they are. Doesn't matter how well written they are. Doesn't matter how well acted they are or well directed they are. All of that is aesthetic. All of that is superficial. But rest assured, you can get more out of a single soliloquy from Shakespeare than you can out of the entire Game of Thrones series. You can get more out of a well-composed, divinely inspired haiku than you can from another, you know, 500-page novel from whatever pulp author pumping them out every six months or every year or, you know, whatever. That's not to say that there aren't glimmers of genius in those works. That's not to say we ourselves have shown that, you know, God works with the clay that he's been given and divine inspiration find its way, finds its way into many, many different places, including in pop, pop culture but, and video games. We've shown that as well. But, also, but that's few and far between, especially in, when we're talking about the sheer quantity of content being created today. And all of that is like is likened to general anesthetic. Before a surgery, before if there is such a thing, general anesthetic before an execution, before a death. Certainly our birth mother when she was dying from cancer she was in such pain 
at the end um she was getting regular morphine injections to deal with the pain until eventually those morphine injections had to be increased to the point where she lost con consciousness and she spent the last 72 hours of her life in a hospice unconscious on morphine uh, awaiting her death the streaming wars and the inundation with mind-numbing mind-altering drugs and drugs that give the false sense of security to individuals make them believe that they're already awakened that they're already one with the universe that they're already enlightened and that they already walk in the spheres of absolute with the ascended masters all of that is a bomb all of that is a drug all of that is a anesthetic for humanity which is dying for humanity which is riddled with cancer a cancer which has spread to every single corner of ourselves that cancer is ego that cancer is the black lodge and as in microcosm so in macrocosm everything that we've described everything that we described make no mistake works for mechanical nature it's the law of entropy playing out on a macrocosmic scale and in order to do that everything must be torn down everything must be destroyed everything must die and of course you want to minimize the resistance to that process so if you're instead of having individuals and groups resisting death itself and resisting the 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 end of humanity you split them you splinter them into groups into tribes such that each tribe is fighting for its life it's fighting for its life against one another and they forget the real battle the real battle they lose sight of it because they're too busy with this it is possible to feel this and if our 
good friend Wolfgang were able to get his microphone working, which unfortunately that seems that that's what seems to be the problem. Streamyards informs us that uh, his equipment isn't connected, and that's why uh, we can't add him to the stream. He may be listening, and we, we're not sure. Um, um, we invited him to participate in tonight's talk. In fact, he inspired tonight's talk based on a conversation that he and I were having. And uh, we said that, you know what, this conversation is so interesting that we should share it with others. And Wolfgang is the inventor of the uh, rainforest ecosystem, the indoor rainforest ecosystem that we employ in our Peapod Life um, venture, which we have talked about before. And his capacity to feel energy and see energy is what allows him to work with plants and animals and ecosystems and individuals and people the way he does because he's able to to feel into the energies and he can sense what he calls positive chaos and negative chaos he can feel the uh the alm of life the analogous ultimate methodology the energies that are of the upward spiral and of the downward spiral but he's also very intuitive and he has that ability as well and that intuition informs his capacity to see energy and feel energy and the combination of these skills that he has these powers that he possesses um, enables him to work with nature and in ways where he's dealing with something which is in infinitely complex any an ecosystem is infinitely complex and a high order uh, ecosystem is the most subtle and the most delicately balancing, self-balancing, self-organizing structure in nature. It's also the most powerful from a purely energetic and self-organizing capacity. So anything that becomes a part of its matrix benefits from that, the alm of life in a, in a supercharged way. It's why that technology is included in our Peapod Life solution and why um, you know, we call ourselves ARC builders. And um, it is that know-how and that technology which will one day um, become very, very, very important, at least to a certain con constituency of uh, individuals, um, this humanity. as we make the transition from this humanity to the next humanity. Because the things that you put into an arc are uh, the seeds of the next humanity that you will plant the next humanity with. And, that in, and the other thing you put in there are, are the teachings, the knowledge. So biology and knowledge. And all you have to do is look at the two arcs of the Old Testament, the Ark of Noah and the Ark of the Covenant, to know what are the two, two things that go inside of an ark? But we've also described in a recent meme of ours that the ark relates also to the tree of life and to ourselves. 
there's an arc inside each each and every one of us and that arc needs to be built like the ark of noah was and the ark of noah was built long before the rain started to fall and everybody called noah a madman but it didn't matter he built his ark anyway he followed he followed the guidance of his innermost god who's telling him to just keep building the ark don't listen to other people don't worry what other people say what 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 don't worry what other people say is important and not important don't allow yourself to get caught up in all of these conflicts and crises out there build the ark that you need to get you from this humanity to the next and interestingly enough the ability to observe the chaos feel into the chaos not be distracted and not be goaded not be tricked and trapped by the surface chaos accept it it is what it is there's nothing we can do about it nor is there anything we should want to do about it the law of entropy is the law of entropy this is how civilizations are destroyed before you can tear down something physically You have to destroy its foundations. You have to weaken and undermine the foundations. The foundations of the global civilization are being weakened as we speak, and we, we can see it all around us. But the key here is that physical reality has a metaphysical foundation. Physical reality has a metaphysical foundation. And that's why what we see around us are culture wars, secularism, or, or, or religious conflicts, or de degeneration of religion, atheism, secularism, materialist science, which is, this, which is a religion of its own, a dogmatic uh, belief system of its own, but it's pulling people away from any discussion or exploration, whatever, of the metaphysical. Or if it does, then it's using psychedelics and all sorts of nonsense to affirm its own materialist scientific uh, uh, bent belief about what the metaphysical nature of reality is. Oh, the fourth dimension is time or what have you. The culture wars and everything and all of these conflict and then these this political stuff and this this obsession with economics and and uh, equity and equality and sexuality and and all of the nonsense that is going 
on and on and on and on it's, and it's receiving so much airtime. And not just the mainstream media, but the internet, YouTube, and all the conspiracy theories, and all of it, and it's reptiles. No, it's the bankers. No, it's the no, it's the uh, it's the Jews. No, it's the it's the royal family. It's the this. It's the that. It's and and on and on and on. And then of course there's this whole virus stuff, and all the airtime and energy that's been spent on that. Can you not feel? the exhaustion even in our voice just talking about it exhaustion exhaustion the root word is exhaust like from your car what happens when you burn gas in the engine and your the gas tank is being emptied your car is becoming exhausted where is the time and the energy left for meditation for prayer for taking a stroll in nature and being one with its beauty with divine nature and feeling into the divinity of nature Even on those nature channels, all we ever see are, you know, shark week and sharks ripping things to pieces and blood in the water. And all we see on the news of nature is forests burning and tornadoes and earthquakes. And it's always, it's always destructive nature, nature destroying, 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 destroying. So they can strike fear into our hearts so that we, we, so that we identify with that mechanical nature and the destructive chaos. And we react and we become afraid for our mechanical nature, our physical nature. We, be, we fear for our corporeal lives. We fear for our, 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 we fear death. We fear the loss of our comfort and security. And we identify with those on the other side of the world who enjoyed the last 20 years relatively new freedoms liberal liberalization etc cetera, etc cetera. but now we are made to fear the potential loss of that if you feel into that process you will recognize that there is a a division taking place there it's very subtle but it's there and it's pulling us away from who we really are as as it's pulling us into all of these concerns and conflicts and and uh, crises etc and it's pulling getting us to 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 concern ourselves more and more with our mechanical nature with our fear our desire for comfort and security 
makes us or or the, it's it's triggering our anger rest assured all of the discourse that you see be it online or mainstream media or anywhere talking about the elites and how terrible they are and the billionaires and how they're 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 so selfish and greedy and how they're all of their wealth was built on the backs of the little people all of that exists to make you angry to trigger your envy to trigger your fear and to have that envy and fear and pride and all of that as a solid foundation for an angry, violent uprising, an angry, violent response. Because if you are in any of what we just described, you are in suffering. You are on the downward spiral. You are not centered in a place of love. You are not one with your higher self. You do not have peace, happiness, and joy. You are getting caught up in the real darkness, the real darkness inside. That's where the, the, the real battle always has been and always will be. And everything that takes place out there is designed for the sole purpose of having us lose that battle, which is, which is fought in here. And each and every one of us has to fight that battle more or less alone for ourselves through ourselves our higher selves and our divine mother so we're not alone in that sense but we don't need groups and we don't need tribes and we don't need uh, uh placards and we don't need flags and we don't need patches we don't need titles to fight this fight we might turn to others who we know and we trust who are fighting their own fight and they seem to be doing okay fairly well and maybe they've gone through some things and maybe they have some advice to share or maybe they know some tactics some strategies to use on the battlefield the battlefield of the self, the battlefield of the mind, the battlefield of the heart, the battlefield of the body. And maybe some individuals that we know have admitted that their adversary, their fight is against a very powerful set of adversaries or a very potent adversary. And as a result of that, they've had to learn a whole different set of strategies and tactics or they've had to become learn how to become stronger and they learn how to to find the source of real strength 
they've learned that they're not qualified to face that adversary alone and that they really have to hand it over to the to their innermost being and their divine mother and that their job they have a place to follow orders they've handed it off to their innermost general to fight that battle and we've discussed this we discussed this last stream and in that process in that process by letting go and letting go of our fear and letting go of our self-loathing and letting go of our anger and hatred towards ourselves and towards others and towards what's happening in the world because let's face it there's nothing we can do about it and there's nothing we can do to change it and there is no reason why we should want to no good reason why we should want to there is a reason why we would want to but those reasons are based in fear and greed and their, their desire the desire to change the world the desire for the world to be different than how it is and you might say but that's but but isn't it a good thing to want to make the world a better place it is a good thing to make the world a better place make the world a better place a lot of people would like make the world a better place you can do that through your actions through your thoughts through your words through your deeds through your example you can be a beacon of light a beacon of hope and a beacon of love amidst the chaos you can be an island in the storm And more importantly, you can be a lighthouse. But only if you connect to your own innermost source of light, your own lighthouse within. You have to be able to find that lighthouse within yourself before you can pretend to go out into the world and be a lighthouse for others. You can't be a lighthouse for others if you don't even have if you're not connected to your innermost lighthouse because the light that you would shine unto others is not yours it comes through you this really is the secret and why there are many 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 beings from many other worlds who have chosen to come to this planet and incarnate here and now the Kali Yuga of humanity is a tremendous opportunity you know there's that uh, cliche about the word crisis in uh, Chinese and how the uh, the characters that make up the word crisis contain the character for opportunity so every crisis contains within it an opportunity and then we have uh, the expressions like what doesn't kill us makes us stronger etc 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 that being conflicts and being tested require us to step up to the plate and better ourselves in order to make it through and we talk about the greatest generation and how world war one and world war two made men out of boys and all these cliches and nonsense and whatnot and so forth but there is truth in that and every hero's journey in every story in every myth is an expression of that how we have to descend into hell 
and face our own demons in order to ascend the other side and return a hero, return change, return altered. And the whole world changes as a result. That world is, yes, symbolic and allegorical of ourselves, but it's also a fact because the macrocosm must reflect the microcosm. But you might be thinking to yourself, but wait a minute, you're talking about the Kali Yuga, you're talking about the destruction of humanity. And you're talking about heroes' journeys and people developing and growing and overcoming hell and returning and being better and that that's somehow changing, changing the world and making the world a better place. But then on the other hand, you're saying that the world has to crumble and be destroyed. Yes, that's true. And herein comes the symbol, symbolism and mythology of the phoenix. And the allegory and practical metaphysical science of death and resurrection. And the alchemy of transmutation. You know the phoenix dies in the flames and is born of the ashes. And we describe in our article, um, which we'll throw up here, uh, now cast, right? The storm is not on its way. The storm is already here. In this article, um, we outline how every birth... is preceded by a death, without exception. And the example that we use is the fertilization of the woman's um, egg in the ovaries. Uh, well, the fertilization of the woman's egg and to, to create the zygote. Fertilization is a process of death. The sperm dies. That's a fact. That's a scientific fact. The sperm enters the egg and it dies. Its genetic material is added to that of the egg and what's produced is the zygote. And, and the cells begin to... the 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 zygote begins to uh, a process of um, cell division. But the sperm is no more, and neither is the egg. Out of those two deaths is born new life. And that is allegorized in the phoenix, and that is seen in all over throughout mechanical nature all you have to do is see go into a forest and see a fallen tree and it's rotting uh trunk rotting logs and you see the lichen and the moss growing on it you see mushrooms growing out of it new life 
and you may see uh, woodpeckers coming down and punching holes in that log, looking for for all sorts of uh, uh, insects that are growing inside of it, that are making uh, you know making their home out of that uh, out of that fallen log. So in the Kali Yuga, the work that we do on ourselves. Is preparing our microcosm to be a shining seed with which to plant the future macrocosm. This humanity has no future. This humanity will die. But those who awaken, those who work to uh, self-realize, may earn a place in the next humanity, may reflect that which is needed in order for a humanity to experience its golden age. But that work is a work of metaphysical science. It's not a belief system. It's not a... Uh, uh, it has nothing to do with what you think you know. And <laughs> it's interesting because we heard someone say this in a chat today, something about uh, they were they were equating it to what's happening in Afghanistan. And they said, uh, this is a, yet another example of the downfall of the Western uh, intellectual class. A class which believes it knows everything, but is constantly being reminded that it knows nothing. Or it constant, it's constantly being reminded of how wrong it is. And you, as you know, in Gnosis, we, we, don't, we don't promote intellectualism. Or we don't promote the concept of thinking and the, the, the idea of beliefs. And this... The way that the individual expressed this sentiment really captures, in a way, the zeitgeist of, of the moment, of the times that we're living in, and in many ways captures a great deal of the suffering which people, for example, in the New Age are attempting to um, overcome with just pumping themselves with, with more and more beliefs and more and more positive thinking and taking their psychedelics and their, their, you know, smoking their pot and you know, doing their Reiki and doing their crystals and doing all this other stuff, which they believe is spiritual and they believe it's what makes them spiritual and what makes them holy and whatever and what's going to bring about the new golden age, the new mass awakening of the planet, which is a belief. It's a false belief. It's a wrong belief. It's a completely unrealistic, complete fabrication. It's a total fantasy. All the evidence is completely contrary to that. Objective, the objective reality is this. This humanity is becoming ever, ever more and more asleep. Or if it's awakening at all, it's awakening negatively. More and more people are awakening as black magicians and awakening as bona fide awakened demons. 
That's the objective reality of a, of a Kali Yuga. That's the objective reality of humanity in this time and this place. And the way the person expressed it, how the intellectual class in the West, how their downfall, their tragedy is being revealed more and more as we move forward. That's, there's, there's such truth in that. Now, will the intellectual class admit to that? No, most likely not. They will keep doubling down on their beliefs and on their theories and their opinions, and they will keep digging in their heels. And again, when we, we look at this, we feel into this. We feel into the fact that the internet is this bastion of opinion and theory and conjecture and rumor and ideas and concepts. And they're all competing with each other. There's no real truth. Or at least very little truth. There are pockets of truth. And in those pockets of truth, what's fascinating is that you will find no conflict, no argument. You cannot arrive at the truth through argument. But the truth can be born amidst argument, but not because of the argument, not because one side of the argument wins. But the truth emerges when, when you step back and step out and observe the argument from a third point of view. The point of view that says belief A versus belief B are two sides of the same coin called hypnosis and ignorance. And when you step into that third point of view and you can see that, and if you can't see it, but feel into it, you can feel the darkness in it. In any kind of intellectual argument going on and you can feel when someone is digging in their heels and doubling down on their beliefs and doubling down on their opinions and desperately clinging to the comfort and security of their beliefs you can step but only if you step out of it Wolf, one of wolfgang's favorite expressions and i'm i'm I would have liked him to uh, to uh, share this himself. Is uh, is the expression to be in it but not of it? We're we're all in it, for better or for worse. We're all here in the middle of the Kali Yuga, and we're all in our physical bodies. We're all in our minds. We're all in our hearts. We're we all live with ego. We all live with beliefs, and we all live with these chattering minds and these subconscious minds that that very often throw up two competing ideas or two competing choices. And sometimes those two competing choices can, can, can wear us down and exhaust us in the going back and forth. Should I do this? Should I do that? What should I do? Should I stay with this person? Should I break up with this person? Should I move to a different town? Should I, should I keep my job? Should I quit my job? But at any given point, you can step back 
and watch yourself watch your mind having that argument with itself and you can observe it as you step back and observe it you can recognize aha those are just two different options are are, are just being concocted to keep me asleep to hip to, to to hypnotize me and keep me ignorant if you can step back and observe that argument taking place peacefully calmly without judgment and say yep okay there's my mind arguing with itself yeah I'll, I'll let it argue itself out but you don't invest your being into it yourself into that argument then you can go into meditation and you can relax, concentrate, visualize, and pray to your innermost, to your divine mother, your innermost being. You can pray to, to the innermost of your innermost. You can pray to the Logos, the cosmic Christ. You can visualize whatever deity speaks to your heart. And in meditation, you can ask for guidance. You can ask for what what's really going on i observe this and you can use retrospection meditation to observe that argument taking place again without getting caught up in it just observing it and the truth of it will reveal itself to you in time in time gnosis is a path of great patience and that's you know that's you talk about cliches one of the most important cliche, if there's a cliche that we need to take to heart, it's patience is a virtue. Patience doesn't only mean waiting and the capacity to wait in peace. Patience, as you know, especially if you have children or pets or you've managed people, <laughs> Um, or you've dealt with individuals with, you know, illnesses, or you've had to take care of elderly parents, or had to deal with people with mental illness, you know that patience is a much more pregnant word than simply the capacity to wait, you know, peacefully. Patience is that capacity to allow that which needs to be or that to allow that which is to run its course and patience in patience there's tremendous compassion especially not not only related to ourselves but related to others and the ego despises patience that's why the ego it can't relax while it's waiting the ego is as you know has got to has to busy itself with something has to busy us has to get us thinking about or worrying about or obsessing over thinking about the future oh my god when is this when is this train going to show up oh my god it's five minutes late oh, i wonder if it's the, the bus got in an accident or i'm going to be late for my meeting and, da, 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 and on and on and on and on and on because the ego is anything but compassionate the ego despises compassion in that way. 
entropy doesn't function on compassion. Entropy functions on severity, on destruction, on chaos. And ego is entropy. Ego is, wants to break our peace and our consciousness, our free consciousness, which in any given moment, if we can find a moment of peace and stillness, and our consciousness is whole and one, and it's undisturbed, and we are at peace, ego's divinely ordained purpose is to break that up. And it breaks it up by dividing and conquering it, dividing our attention into two different, immediately, and then that attention gets divided into four, and then into eight, and into 16, into 32, into 64, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's entropy. Obs Everything that's happening out there in the world is happening inside of us. And the opportunity to be in the world and learn patience to learn acceptance. Accepting the world the way it is. Accepting ourselves the way it is. This brings us to Eheye Asher Eheye. I am that I am, the holy name of God. I am that I am. It is what it is. Acceptance, patience. We are not going to do very well with what's on its way if we do not take these words to heart. If we cannot put into practice moment by moment recognizing the forces trying to divide and conquer us within and recognizing those forces dividing and conquering humanity out and recognizing that whereas our path is to resist that to stand in the face of all of that chaos, all of the forces of chaos inside of us, and just observe it, and just observe them, and comprehend them, and recognize them, and say, oh, yep, there's pride, there's, there's anger, there's fear, oh, there's, there's, the, there's one of many faces of fear. As we move forward, this is going to, uh, you're going to find yourself uh, confronting one or more of your fears, many faces. If you haven't already, you're going to feel yourself being triggered. Your comfort and security is going to be threatened. Your physical 
well-being, your physical health, possibly, um, possibly your sovereign rights as an individual, the your dominion over your own body may be threatened at some point in the near future if they begin, for example, mandatory vaccinations. There is a tremendous amount of circumstances that are awaiting us all, which are going to challenge and test us in very, very significant ways. So the ability to step back and see it for what it is and see what's happening inside of ourselves for what it is for for what they are the forces of entropy the forces of mechanical nature trying to divide and conquer us and separate ourselves from ourselves and trying to goad us into getting caught up in all the chaos we want to practice and learn how to remain in the eye of the storm Another way to say this, and we've mentioned this before, we've, we've wrote about this before, but we'll mention it again. We will fail. We will stumble. We will fall. And we will find ourselves getting caught up in this or that conflict, maybe with, maybe with our lover, our spouse, a family member, a, a close friend, a co-worker, or perhaps we will get caught up in a larger struggle. Maybe it will be uh, a struggle for our lives. Maybe it'll be a struggle for our community, um, a struggle against nature, a struggle to preserve some semblance of survivability against the forces of nature, against a hurricane, a flood, a fire. Um, and we will find ourselves potentially getting caught up in it all. But some of us also struggle with um, internal conflicts, if you will, which are um, beyond our control. So, for example, we suffer from depression, and many people suffer from anxiety or they suffer from panic attacks. We've mentioned in the past that we've also had seizures, uh, which is related to the same entity that causes our depression. Now, depression is is deep, deep-seated subconscious anger. And anxiety is deep, deep subconscious fear. But that fear is beyond our reach. It's deep in our subconscious. That anger is beyond our reach, deep within our uh, subconscious. And uh, fear can also trigger depression because, as we explained in our article that we have up here, um, fear very often leads to anger. So sometimes we find ourselves in the middle of suffering, in the middle of a kind of suffering, and we can't, we can't do anything about it. 
Sometimes we're just overcome with grief. Sometimes we're just overcome with rage. Sometimes we're overcome. We're possessed. We're in the grips of some ego, whatever that is, triggered externally or not. Sometimes people who suffer from depression need no external reasons to be depressed. People who suffer from uh, clinical depression. Same with people who suffer from anxiety. They don't need anything to feel anxious about. They can just feel anxious about everything all the time. They just suffer. They just are having a panic attack, or they're just, just, or they're suffering from that, 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 that brooding drone of constant anxiety. Their fear is just afraid. It's just doing its thing, it, deep in the subconscious, and it's beyond their ability to, to, to access it. So, what do we do? In times like that or in any conflict in any situation where we are caught up in the storm and like a storm we're like the captain of a ship because we're still the captain of our ship when you suffer from anxiety you suffer from depression or or you suffer from some malaise or you suffer from some impending doom you still have to live. You still have to do your daily activity. Not only that, if you're on the path, you still need to try and do some sort of practice. You know, meditate or remember to pray or observe yourself. Or you try to still hold it together and hold yourself to the path and remain a loyal servant to your innermost. But how can you do that? Like, How does the captain pilot uh, uh, his ship? sail his ship in the middle of a storm and the crashing waves and the lightning and the and the and the and the fog and the mist and the and the and the rain and the waves the answer is the captain needs help especially if he's close to shore where he's closest to shore that's when it's deadliest because that's where the rocks are and the waves can smash his uh, boat on the rocks so the saving grace of a captain in the middle of the store in, in the storm is the lighthouse the captain sees the lighthouse off in the distance it says yes okay that's that lighthouse is gonna is gonna guide me safely into harbor or safely around the rocks that lighthouse is going to help me weather the storm inside each and every one of us is a lighthouse is a source of light so when we're in the middle of the storm or when we're in the middle of the storm be it depression anxiety anger envy gluttony laziness whatever it is that we're, we're that we're being caught up in or whatever conflict we're being caught up in out there or whatever crisis out there that we're being drawn into and goaded into and we find ourselves falling head over heels into the lighthouse inside is there and will always be there to guide us through that storm but now here's the real secret Here's the real secret.
we think of ourselves as the captain of the ship. But what if, what if there was a way that we could shift from being on the boat to being in the lighthouse? What if we're not the captain at all? What if we're the lighthouse keeper? What if we're the one tending the lighthouse, making sure that the lighthouse is pointed towards the ship and guiding the captain who's sailing the boat? Even in the middle of a storm, the lighthouse is on solid ground. The lighthouse is never at risk of sinking. The lighthouse has no reason to fear. The, 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 the lighthouse keeper has no reason to, to be afraid. He's not caught up in the storm. The lighthouse is inside and the lighthouse keeper along with our lighthouse is inside. And it is possible, however difficult, however unlikely it may seem, in the middle of the storm, in the middle of depression, in the middle of anxiety, in the middle of heartbreak, in the middle of anger, conflict, flood, fury, it is possible to say, okay, here's the storm, my true self in the lighthouse. I'm the lighthouse keeper. And I will beam the light of consciousness where it needs to be here and now in this moment. So that I may guide the captain of the boat in his time of need, in his time of peril. This is the shift which takes place in moments of crisis, in moments of suffering, in times of suffering, that the suffering itself is a catalyst for. When it's smooth sailing and it's sunny skies and it's and it's and it's uh, uh, calm waters, you, you don't look for the lighthouse, right? It's smooth sailing. But when the storm hits, that's the opportunity. That's the chance. And when you can experience that, when you can be in the middle of it, but not of it, you can be in amidst the darkness. 
You can even feel into the darkness. How are you doing that? You're feel, how do you feel into feeling? It's just another, it's just another way of working with consciousness, like sight, like hearing, like smells, but but feeling is just another sense, the sixth sense. You can feel into hell itself. What's that really? You're just shining the light of the lighthouse. But you are the lighthouse keeper. You're at this end of the light. You can shine the light down into hell itself, where the poor captain is trapped for the time being. And with great compassion and great patience, allowing the storm to pass, the captain hones in on the light, and you remain grounded and at peace, having that connection. And it's the light, it's the light of consciousness. With this technique, you can weather any storm. If you master this technique, to master this technique means two things, practicing and using it, being, be the lighthouse keeper and be the captain who follows the light and not his own fears and anxieties and terror amidst the storm. The captain who knows that it's, it's he's going to follow the lighthouse keeper and just shift because the truth is you are both the captain and the lighthouse keeper. Truth is you're both. Remember that. You're the captain of the boat. You're controlling the boat. You are sailing the boat. There's no question. You are in control of the boat. But when the storm is raging, you don't feel in control of the boat, do you? The forces of mechanical nature are seem to be in control of the boat, and you're holding on for dear life. So it's the light of consciousness. It's the light of the lighthouse that can guide you. And if you follow that and hone in on that and stay focused on that and have the patience and, and compassion to let the storm pass, but stay present and focused and shift yourself to the lighthouse keeper. It's subtle and it doesn't mean that you won't suffer. Believe, believe me, when, when we're suffering from depression, we suffer from depression. We're drained of energy. We have no, it, it is what it is. Anybody who suffers from depression, they'll tell you what depression is like. Doesn't mean you know what it's like, but it is what it is. But there's a difference between suffering from depression and identifying with it and getting caught up in it. It is possible to go through depression, anxiety, anything and say, yeah, okay, right now I'm, I'm depressed right now. Yep, there it is. I have no energy. I have no motivation. I can't, I can't, you know, I can't do anything. I can't do this. I can't work. I can't, you know, there's just like nothing you do. Nothing works. 
you just observe that and remember that you're not of it you're just in it just there's the captain on the boat in the middle of depression if it helps use a different allegory if you've seen master and commander or any uh, nautical movie or any movie where there's uh, uh, sailors and then there's no wind and the ocean becomes like a mirror but there's no wind they can't go anywhere they're stuck they, there's nothing they can do they're at the mercy of the wind so wait wait for the wait for a breeze and while you're waiting for a breeze use your imagination use your mind's eye see the camera pulling away see the boat sitting there on the water not going anywhere and saying okay well that's that's what has to if that's what it has to be that's what it has to be it is what it is if we do not master this we will not make it through the kali yuga successfully if we do not master this we will not complete the task the work that we came here to do on ourselves or in the world successfully the capacity to remain relaxed and at peace and centered and be in the tumult but not of it not caught up in it to be in the in, to be in the eye of the storm to be the lighthouse keeper guiding the captain on the ship when we can do that then incredibly other ships will appear out of the darkness out of the storm here we thought we're just guiding ourselves here we thought we're just guiding our captain through the storm we're just pointing the light and we're staying focused and we're just being a lighthouse keeper we're just doing what we're doing we're burning our light and we're staying grounded and staying at peace and staying focused and being a lighthouse keeper and all of a sudden other ships will appear and we will discover that the light that we are keeping for ourselves is a light that others are using to help them weather their storm And where there is a lighthouse and there are captains who are wise to search for the light amidst the darkness and to seek the light in the middle of the storm to seek the lighthouse we cannot but attract individuals in need and who appreciate and who will benefit from our light from that light and we will have a positive impact on the humanity around us on the individuals around us or maybe they're far away they may they don't have to be around us physically but those who have those who see that light that we're putting out into the world and we and we might just be trying to hold it together ourselves that may may just be what we're trying to do but that's that's the key 
because in this time in this age what matters is the preservation and the birth the rebirth of the next humanity and the preparation for that and that means preparing the seeds and putting them in the ark preparing the knowledge putting it in the ark the biology the seeds what we need for the next humanity so let's talk about so we so that um chaos we talked about as an opportunity right it's only because of the storm that those captains are searching for the lighthouse right if we, we said that if it was if it's smooth sailing and clear skies you can have a lighthouse nobody 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 cares right they're comfortable it's smooth sailing it's warm breeze nobody cares but the, as soon as a storm hits if you have a lighthouse all of a sudden you're everybody's best friend Now, that might be oversimplifying things, but hopefully you get where we're going here. We're going to switch to a different metaphor. We're going to switch to the metaphor of the seed. Usually, seeds come in, inside of a fruit of some kind. Or at the very least, they're, they're connected to a, a, a fruit. Not always. They can be inside nuts and so on and so forth. We don't have to get, you know, too technical here. But let's, you know, let's talk about, let's say, apples. The seeds are at the core of the apple. And if you've ever gone picking apples, you know that for each apple you pick off the tree in the fall, there's half a dozen apples rotting on the ground. And you may also know, if you observe carefully, that all of that flesh of that fruit, as it rots on the ground and it becomes putrefied and 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 brown and and you you know what apples get when they become bruised and or or they become bruised or they become rotting rotted. But all of that is there to create fertile food and fertile soil in which the seed to grow. Fruit is also there to be picked, to be eaten. Animals who eat fruit pass the seeds through their digestive system and spread the seeds. The tree is able to proliferate, spread its seed, quite literally, because of the fruit, or because of the nuts, because of whatever, what have you. That is a process of death. The fruit dies. The fruit is either devoured and eaten 
and digested, but the seed is not digested. The seed doesn't die, not yet. The seed dies when it sprouts. But in order to get to where it needs to go, to where it needs to be, in order to even have the ability to sprout, to even have the potential to sprout, it has to go through this journey of the fruit. And that journey of the fruit is a journey of death. From the moment a fruit achieves its, its, its highest ripeness, its best flavor, its best everything, from that moment onward, it's all downhill for the fruit. <laughs> no matter how you slice it, pardon the pun, once that fruit has achieved its peak sweetness and crispiness and, and shape and color and perfume, aroma, it's all downhill. Either some animal or person is going to see that beautiful piece of fruit and pluck it from the tree and eat it, or it's going to become overripe. And eventually it's going to become too heavy for the stem and it's going to fall to the ground and it's going to rot and die for the sake of the seeds inside. Because why else, what other reason does a fruit have to, to ripen in the first place? But for the sake of the seeds inside. And once it's achieved that level of ripeness, it can only go one way downhill for the sake of those seeds. That's a fact. No fruit lasts forever. Doesn't matter how perfect it is. Doesn't matter if how many purple, uh, blue ribbons it wins at the uh, county fair. Right? The pumpkin. Right? The, what, what, doesn't matter how big it is. Doesn't matter, you know, whatever. It's going gonna, it's gonna to rot. It's going to... It's going to die. The Kali Yuga is to a humanity a fruit which is rotting. And select seeds within that humanity have to take advantage of that opportunity to reach the place where they can sprout and create a new apple tree. Everything that's going wrong in your life, everything that's going wrong inside of you, as we get older and as we age physically, for example, maybe financially, maybe relationships, maybe whatever, all that, that rottingness, the, the, the stuff that's putrefying around us, it's recognize that that's the fruit that's giving our innermost seed an opportunity to be born. To, to sprout, 
which again, that seed must die <laughs> as part of that process. But these, there's levels and levels and levels, right? Like, let's not worry so much about that process yet. Let's worry about the process that gets us there first. Let's worry about awakening as that seed first. And then we can worry about self-realization, death and resurrection, etc., etc. But right now, this physical uh, encasement, this fruit, is what it is. And inside of it, is in, in our core, is a seed. We don't often write poetry, um, and uh, it goes without saying that this discussion of uh, seeds um, we've thought about um, um, taking this poem and, and, and structuring it into a children's book actually um, because of its because of its rhyme, et cetera, et cetera, but also because of the, the potential for visuals and so on and so forth. Um, there's no fruit involved in this particular poem because it's we're talking about Yggdrasil, which is a um, um, In Norse mythology, it's not a uh, it's not a fruit bearing tree. It just has seeds that that flutter to the ground, not unlike um, uh, not unlike um, um, maple trees. Um, yes, it's an ash, an ash tree, the uh, the tree of Yggdrasil. But again, Yggdrasil in Norse mythology, there's a reason why they call it an ash. It's, there's a reason why it's the uh, the ash tree, um, and that's because the word ash is related directly to the phoenix, the phoenix which rises from the ashes. Um, in other traditions, of course, we have the sacred tree Yeu, uh, Yu, uh, the tree that uh, in Europe at least was used for uh, for longbows and uh, you know bow, bow and arrows. That's the the U has that famous um, elasticity in its wood that, that makes it perfect for, um, for archery and, and such, uh, such devices. But then we also have, you know, oak and many other trees and different traditions that are seen as being wise and mighty and ancient and so on and so forth certainly out in washington they talk about the giant redwoods the giant sequoias and the redwoods and so on and so forth um but inside of us that seed needs to have an environment which is conducive to getting us to where we need to go and giving us the fertile soil from which we can into which we can die and from which we can sprout sprout a truly a, a, a self-realized tree of life 
And so suffering is required. Difficulty, conflict, disorder, chaos. Because the forces of entropy are what enable enable that chaos, that negative chaos to exist. Egos, the Black Lodge, that's their job. They work for mechanical nature. They create those, those, those forces, tearing down the, the, the forces of the storm, the forces that are trying to sink the ship, but also the forces that are rotting that seed. And it's in opposition to those forces. It's, it's leveraging the opportunity that those forces and that, that creating that negative chaos, it's taking advantage of the opportunity of that negative chaos presents for us to identify as the seed and not the fruit. And identify that the suffering that the, the the rotting fruit is creating or the experiencing for itself through itself through the forces of entropy the force of mechanical nature the fruit dies and so we we associate with the seed and we are able to witness and observe the transformation taking place in that fruit And as that fruit dies and dematerializes, it, 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 it putrefies, it rots, it, it uh, disintegrates. From it comes the fertile soil for the seed in which the seed can sprout. Again, into which the seed must die. Die into your suffering. Die before you die. So that when you die, you won't die. <laughs> but that process is why there are so many souls here from other humanities experiencing our Kali Yuga because our Kali Yuga is so intense. And the metaphysical suffering and the, met the, the forces of mechanical nature operating on the metaphysical plane for this humanity are so pervasive, they're everywhere. The war for the souls of humanity is so intense on this planet right now that there are many beings coming here just for the opportunity to experience that suffering and face it and find within the storm their lighthouse and find within the storm the eye of the storm and learn how to master that process amidst such intense suffering and such intense chaos as what this humanity is undergoing now and has yet to undergo. And we're here. Some of us may be, may be a monad from one of those other humanities. Some of us. The White Lodge, the Brotherhood of the White Lodge, has no 
has no bias. This humanity, that humanity. We promised you all a video on Star Trek and and rest assured, it is on its way. It's just that, um, as we said, we when we're going through depression, when we're suffering through, through depression, there's certain things that we cannot do. And uh, that project has one of the things that have been unfortunately been put on the back burner but in a nutshell Star Trek is not a program about our future and it's not it's not like Star Wars it's not high fantasy it's not mythology Star Trek is docudrama Star Trek is is the United Federation of Planets is is a is a, a, a secularized uh, material allegory for the Brotherhood of the Great White Lodge So there are members from other humanities here and now living as human beings. But they come from other planets. But they come here not only to help this humanity, but also to be able to pay tremendous amounts of karma. And, and, and the progress that one can make here and now by suffering here and now for the sake of this humanity and learning how to master the forces the causes of suffering within ourselves and aligning to our inner lighthouse and awakening as the lighthouse keeper and what's more recognizing that the lighthouse keeper is the keeper of the light Remember when we said there's levels and levels and levels of this? The lighthouse keeper works with the light. The lighthouse keeper just points the light. Where does the light come from? That's the light of Christ. The Christic light. So when we focus on pointing our consciousness in the midst of the storm, the light that we're working with is the light of consciousness, yes. But when we become a master of this, we become a servant of the light. And it's the light of Christ that's coming through us and shining through us. And the level of our being and the level of our consciousness determines the shape and width of the iris, determines how much of that light is able to shine through us moment by moment. And it's the light of Christ coming into the world through us. That is what it's all about it's the the cosmic christ the logos the being of our being that which makes the lighthouse that which gives the lighthouse keeper a purpose for being
so recognizing we want to step back and just summarize very quickly and synthesize what we've tried to express conflict and crisis are inevitable they are necessary they are necessary for this humanity they are necessary for us as individuals they're created by the black lodge by egos for the express purpose of tearing down through the through the process of entropy dividing and conquering that's their divinely ordained purpose and it is that it is that process constant process of entropy which is which is relentless and 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 mechanical nature which lent this humanity her, its body the planet its 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 body and its energy for the duration of this humanity's lifespan now wants it back and part of that process includes taking back a certain number of uh, hominids and putting them into the cycle of devolution um, and if you want to read about that uh, we outline that in detail um, in our article on um, Um, in Nowcast, again, we, we go into greater detail about that. Um, and, uh, well, you've probably seen this graphic. Let me, let me uh, make that bigger. Um, you've probably seen this uh, um, infographic that the dividing and conquering of humanity and explaining how uh, mechanical nature is preparing this humanity for this dual process one side destruction the other side devolution um, and so on and so forth but all of that's in that now cast article in great detail if you want to read about that um, so all of that is inevitable and it's necessary and that chaos that's being bred there is what gives us the opportunity to uh, shift remember the lighthouse remember the lighthouse keeper shift and focus the light from the lighthouse in the middle of the storm for the sake of the suffering ship captain so that the ship doesn't sink because the storm wants to sink the ship and the storm wants to take the captain down because you know the expression the captain goes down with the ship but we don't want the captain to go down with the ship. We want it. We want the captain to shift to being the lighthouse keeper, so that even if the ship does go down in the storm, you're you're your lighthouse keeper. You're the keeper of the light. You're the keeper of the light. We don't want it. But whatever you do, don't fall into the trap. And the darkness of well okay i'm the keeper of the light therefore i'm this and that and the other thing and I'm, I'm i'm my work is done no don't fall into the trap that all those so-called light workers have fallen into all those uh all those uh, uh pathetic misguided souls in the new age who believe that their work is done because they call themselves light workers or because they can work with reiki energy or because they they take psychedelics or because they 
know how to think positively or because they know how to manifest their desires or any of this nonsense. The true test is one's ability. And this is not positive thinking, right? Because you, if you really feel into this whole positive thinking thing, you can feel the darkness in it. You can feel the dark energy. You can feel that it's all ego behind it. It's all fear. Desperately trying to control and maintain comfort and security through positive thinking. There's an aspect of what we're describing here where clearly if you can find peace and acceptance even in the middle of crisis you will you will naturally not be sucked down into all of this uh negative energy but remember what we said about shining the light and feeling into the darkness you don't want to avoid the darkness and the positive the positive thinking people want to avoid all negativity they want to shut it out. They want, to, they want to pretend it doesn't exist, that it's an illusion. But it's not an illusion. It's real. Suffering is real. The capacity to be in suffering, be in it but not of it, that's the key. But that's not positive thinking. It's, it's consciousness. It's directed consciousness. And it's self-remembering. It's self-observation. It's self-remembering. It's, it's not flinching from the pain, not shutting out the pain, not numbing the pain and not dumbing down the pain, none of that, and not medicating oneself so one can avoid the pain. It's experiencing the pain for what it is. And experiencing it that I am not that pain. I, am, I have that pain. I will not let that pain have me. These are very subtle and very difficult to put into words and very difficult to process in the mind. But when you experience this, when you practice this, you will know. You will know what we're talking about here. And you will recognize the value and the essential truth of it and the, the essentiality of it the necessity of it because how else can you possibly know that you are a lighthouse keeper unless you are guiding a ship captain through the storm because if it was clear skies and a sunny day and a warm breeze, you have no reason to light the lighthouse, and no captain has a reason to look for you. This is, in a very subtle way, why the Black Lodge ultimately works for the White Lodge, and their purpose is divinely ordained. On the level of mechanical nature, entropy, but that, that process takes place metaphysically inside of us in microcosm, just as it does metaphysically and physically in macrocosm in the world. And our recognition of that and working with that and being able to feel into circumstances and feel into events by shining the light of consciousness 
and being the lighthouse keeper, we can experience events, we can experience crisis and conflict and suffering, but be in it, but not of it. And in the process, we align ourselves, we become more and more and more keepers of the light, and we expand. And to the degree that we recognize the nature of the waves and the storm and the wind and the struggle and the conflict and the rocks that are that are that are there to cause our destruction to sink our ship to the degree that we become more and more aware and conscious of all of that the less and less the danger exists the danger is reduced and our capacity our iris for the capacity of consciousness grows and increases and the amount of light that we can shine forth into the world increases. And we can become, and we become that much more valuable to ourselves and the world. Um, yes. Questions, please. Take this opportunity. If there's something about what we discussed tonight that you'd like us to elaborate on, uh, feel free to ask your questions. We're going to scroll back and see if there's any comments here that are, are worthwhile um, reading. Roy Daladog said, the Greek goddess of illusion, witchcraft, and magic is named Medea. This is, of course, similar to the word media which is a powerful tool used to shape our culture's mindset. That's why lead singer of The Doors, Jim Morrison, said, quote, whoever controls the media controls the mind. According to Greek mythology, Medea was a powerful witch and granddaughter, and granddaughter of, the god, of the sun god Helios. She helped Jason and his band of Argonauts to obtain the Golden Fleece. Using her magic powers, she... She... Sorry, Roy, that's where your comment was cut off. Let's see if you uh, continued. No. But that's very true. And nowadays, the media does control the mind. I mean, people's minds are mediated in and of themselves, just inside, right? They're, they're, people's minds are mediated by their belief systems, by their upbringing, by uh, philosophy, ideology, their desires, their, their, like mediation is just that go-between, right? So, um, and the media as we know it, well, I mean, like Jim Morrison's comment was, uh, was apropos, especially to our conversation today. Because we began at the beginning explaining how all this conflict and how the mainstream media, how it presents conflict, with both sides in such a way that it wants to goad you into picking a side. It wants to suck you in and get you all caught up in whatever it's 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 doing. And that's and that's that is mind control. That's black magic. All mind control, psychological manipulation is black magic. It's just that you know in sec in the secular uh, 20th century, they had to come up with terminology that wouldn't. You know that doesn't uh, um, freak people out, or uh, um, that doesn't invoke uh, 
images of the Middle Ages or or what have you. So the secularization of all of this stuff has meant that uh, black magic has is right there in front of all of our eyes, but it's but it's hidden. It's hidden in plain sight, and the media is that the mind control in advertising, all the sexual. Uh, why do why do they sell everything with sex? Again, it's black magic because because lust is the mother of is the harlot of babylon she's the mother of all egos it's the most powerful of all egos so does you know desire is at the root of all egos so if you can if you can trigger desire and you can stimulate desire you can you can get people to 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 want all sorts of things if you can connect you know your uh, your uh, shampoo with the desire for sex you can connect those two things and all of a sudden people desire your shampoo like the, like they desire the orgasm that's mind control that's black magic and yes that's a very very powerful form of black magic and that's why it's everywhere and that's why the media is everywhere and everything is mediated does anybody have any more questions or comments or concerns um, our goal here tonight, if we had one, was um, was not to, uh, you know, we don't want to, we have to be the harbingers of, of bad news. There's no, there's no avoiding it, right? The truth hurts. The truth is, you know, it's not, it's unpleasant. However, the truth can set you free. And our goal here tonight was to um, express that there's a reason why all of this has to happen and that the real game that we're here playing is metaphysical. It's not physical. And so we're all going to die. We're all going to die. That's inevitable. None of us are going to live forever and no member of this humanity is going to survive forever it's just impossible so why concern ourselves like this humanity is going to be destroyed so why worry so much about these you know things like climate change and all this other nonsense that the, the media is, is, is getting us to to get caught up in when none of that matters and this humanity is not going to be around Roy asks when we die, um, are we die? Then when when the destruction is come to humanity or Earth? Okay. The Earth is going to survive. We're talking about the destruction of a humanity. We're talking about a destruction of a global humanity, a global civilization. So, what do we? Can we? How do we understand that? In comparison to the planet humanity is to the planet an aspect of the planet's digestive system it's akin in a way it's akin to the skin uh, of a snake and every now and then a snake has to shed its skin when the skin becomes dry old hard brittle and irritating 
the snake has to shed its skin. In the case of the serpent, in the case of the snake, snakes breathe through their skin. If their skin becomes dry and brittle and hard and loses moisture, they cannot, they cannot respirate. They cannot, the, uh, the oxygen and the carbon dioxide can't pass through the, uh, through the skin anymore. So if the snake doesn't shed its skin, it will suffocate and die. If the planet doesn't shed this humanity, it will no longer be able to digest solar energy and it will suffer and it will it will die if it humanities must be shed like clockwork and um this is the case this was the case for uh the polaris is case for uh um um yeah, before us were the Atlanteans, the Lemurians. Before the Lemurians were the... Um, oh, it's getting late. We're obviously getting tired. Our mind is beginning to go. Um, well, the race of giants, the, the name eludes us. The name eludes me right now. And then prior to uh, the, the giants were the Polaris, the, the polar race. Um, so we we are going, but the uh, Royce has only the false civilization built by materialistic humanity died. No, all humanity dies. All humanities die. All humanities have to go through this process. Oh, thank you, Eric, the Hyperborean race. Yes, thank you. <laughs> It was on the tip of my tongue. You know what? What what came to mind was Hercobulus, but Hercobulus is is a planet, which uh, some people refer to it as uh, Planet X. But uh, Hercobulus is the planet which comes around. What is it? Every twenty eight thousand years, and that's one of the the triggers for the destruction of humanity for the um, for it taking place like clockwork. Um, no, the obviously the civilization that we built is false, and it is based on materialistic science, etc., etc., etc. But even if it was an enlightened civilization, it would have to go through this process of uh, of death and rebirth. It's just it's just on this level of mechanical nature, that's just what has to happen. Nothing lasts forever. Nothing can grow forever. Not even and even eventually, this planet will die eventually eventually it will die there's a graphic that we can put up um, and then this will help maybe explain things better um, hang on just one moment we just have to uh, find it uh, you can imagine after years uh, we've accumulated quite a number of um, visual aids. Yes, death and rebirth. Death and rebirth is on one coin. Yes, two sides of the same coin. We think we we uh, we feel we express that um, in our talk. 
but that doesn't mean that death doesn't exist death is real and uh, just like a coin has two sides that means it has two, two it has heads and tails the the coin has two faces they're different but they exist and a coin has to have two faces else a coin couldn't exist no no coin can exist with only one side how you know it, it has to have another side so the other side of death is birth and the other side of birth is death here this is the what we wanted to show you so let's pull this up actually let's see, make it I'll make it as big we'll make it as big as we can how's that so this is showing our uh, the the five races um, here we have the polar race the hyperborean race the Lemurian race Atlantean race and here's us the Aryan race after us will come the sixth root race um, the information that we have on that race is that it will be known as the uh, Korati race that's all we know we, we don't know anything more than that well that's all we know at the moment that we're prepared to share but as you can see that the this round of seven humanities takes place here on the physical plane but that the in the uh, Mahamantara the great cosmic day there are seven cycles of seven humanities and that here you can see how it descends from the mental astral ethereal to physical plane and then returns Back to the ethereal the astral and the mental plane which means that in other planets throughout the cosmos there are humanities that are existing only on the ethereal plane or only on the astral plane but the 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 humanities are there but they're on the etheric plane or the astral plane or the mental plane and they're playing out their dramas there and if you have traveled on the astral plane or you traveled on the etheric plane you know that these are planes of existence they just have fewer rules than we have on the physical plane so there is, there are humanities for example on other planets in our solar system it's just that those planets are much older or they're or they're much younger they're 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 going through different time periods in their cycle and their humanities don't exist on the physical plane so this is the case for example on mars so mars are on the um Oh, Mars is also the uh, um, etheric or astral plane. We're not sure, to, to be honest with you. Astral for sure. Um, because each plane is built on the foundations of the others. So even in this humanity and this planet at this time, for example, you can go to Tibet. And in Tibet, you can go to the, um, in the mountains of Tibet, in the astral plane you can go to the library of atlantis which still exists but it's it's on the astral plane so there is so much more present here and now on our planet that's on the etheric and the astral and the mental plane that we're not even aware of because we're asleep and we're stuck on the physical plane 
but planets exist and humanities exist on these different planes of of reality and the physical plane is only one of the of uh, these planes and then of course you have the supernal worlds beyond the mental plane which is the causal plane and the plane of Atsuluth, which is the the, um, the, uh, the uh, world of archetypes. And that, again, is a, in our comprehension, we're now dealing with masters and ascended masters when we talk about Atsuluth. And then beyond the Atsuluth is absolute. So, um there is a much 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 bigger picture when we talk about the uh lifespan of a planet and the lifespan of a planet is the uh length of a great cosmic day um and then we have followed by the great cosmic night and the great accounting and these are all we don't you know what there's we leave this to Glorianne and other teachers and master samuel's books and so on and so forth because this is the type of information that from our point of view this is not need to know information this is all fine this is all wonderful if you want to study this and you want to know this and that's great but practically speaking this this is not going to make any difference practical practically speaking moment by moment in your life knowing yourself observing yourself remembering yourself dealing with the chaos and the conflicts and the crises internally and externally here and now in the kali yuga of this the aryan race of the planet earth so our our focus needs to be You know here <laughs> this is this is this is our focus right that's 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 where our focus is certainly that's where our focus is in in our work we are happy to share the resources with you that you can go and you can the, the books are there for you to read the scriptures are there for you to read Glorian.org is there for you to, to study. There are agnostic groups that have different lectures covering different topics that a whole wide range. Um, and, um, and you are more than welcome to go and, and, and knock yourself out. But when it comes to the practical down to earth daily stuff that matters that's going to make a difference in your journey in your path and which is at this time at this place is to prepare yourself to become a seed for the next humanity so that you will be here you will earn the right to 
be one of the seeds that plants this humanity. And not only that, but guides, becomes a lighthouse, becomes a lighthouse for that humanity. That's really, that's, you know, it's fine if your goal is just to make it and just to be chosen as a seed for the next humanity and that's and that's great but remember that that the path of the bodhisattva the path that christ and buddha and all the great avatars and prophets and saints walked was a path of suffering and sacrifice for others suffering and sacrifice for humanity serving our innermost being serving the light but by extension, what, what, what is the nature of that light? That nature of that light is to guide the suffering boat captains through the storm and guide them through the dangers and be a source of light, of, of, of safety, of, of, of guidance for them, which is ultimately service to mankind. So... Those two things go hand in hand. And um, your ability to your ability to serve and be a voice and be a a a a force of that light in the world and a, and a source of light for others. These are the things that we focus on specifically because that's a good seed. That's a good seed. Any other questions or comments or what comes into mind is the expression, a good egg. <laughs> and it's funny. The language is funny that way. We have these funny sayings, a good egg. Ah, that's a good egg. Well, what's an egg? An egg is just a seed. It's a seed that a chicken comes out of, not a plant, but, but you get the idea. Uh, someone's a good egg. Um, we are at the two-hour and 44-minute uh, mark. So um, we feel we've covered the topic fairly well. We don't know if we don't feel we need to uh, drag it out any further unnecessarily. If there's nothing else, then um, no other questions, then we will... Uh, we will bid you all good night, and uh, hopefully you'll join us again on Friday. We'll have a new topic. We have no idea what that topic is going to be. Uh, it will come to us, or we will be inspired between now and then, and we will let you know, uh, as always, we will try to uh, let you know 24 hours in advance. So thank you all.
and um god bless and uh inverential peace and uh we'll see you hopefully again soon you're all welcome you're all welcome